0: People are always asking actors if the makeup hurts their faces and if they ever forget their lines. Well, the answer to these two classic questions is fairly simple. The makeup doesn't hurt our faces, and we do forget our lines. In the theatre, of course, we have prompters, and in television, often we have what are called teleprompters. At least in America, that's a machine that's uh, installed right over the lens. It's particularly useful for politicians making earnest political speeches.
1: Oh, now, forever,
2: farewell the tranquil mind,
0: farewell content, farewell the plumed troop and the big wars that make ambition virtuous. Oh, farewell. Farewell, the name, steed, and the shrill trump. The spirit-stirring drum. The ear-piercing fife. The royal banner. And all quality, pride, pomp, and circumstance of glorious war. And, oh, immortal engines, whose rude throats the immortal Jove's dread clamors counterfeit. Farewell Othello's occupations gone.
3: One of the first projects Orson Welles undertook after moving to Europe. Was a film version of Othello. Despite Macbeth's criticism, he was still confident he could produce a successful Shakespearean film. However, filming was erratic. The original Italian producer announced on one of the first days of shooting that he was bankrupt. Instead of abandoning filming altogether, Wells, as director, began pouring his own money into the project. He took acting jobs to ensure continued production. He also raised money by going on the stage. In the summer of 1950, Wells appeared in Paris in his own play called The Blessed and the Damned, which consisted of a short film called The Miracle of St. Anne and two one-act plays. He received positive reviews. In August, he traveled to Frankfurt, Hamburg, and Munich, where he starred in an evening with Orson Welles. You
4: said that Shakespeare never wrote a pure tragedy, he wrote melodramas. Yes. What do you think is a pure tragedy?
0: I think the Greeks wrote them, you know. Mm -hmm. And the French, in imitation of the Greeks, there's some Roman tragedies, you know, but the, the, all, all Shakespearean tragedies are loaded with rip roaring Melod- blood blood and thunder melodrama, you
1: know. Yeah.
0: Because the Elizabethan theater was steeped in melodrama.
1: So you're not saying that they aren't tragedies, in fact, or. But then you're well, just. They aren't pure,
0: pure tragedies. tragedies that's that it, doesn't uh, mean. No, they're melodramas and tragedies, you know. They have tragic heroes, essentially, they're
3: not a Filming of Othello stopped for months at a time to raise money. It took more than two years to complete, and was shot in Morocco, Venice, Tuscany, and Rome. Before the film's release, Wells played the Shakespearean drama on stage to audiences in Newcastle and London. A dub version of Othello premiered in Rome in November of 1951. Wells' original English-language version, premiered at the Cannes Film Festival in May of 1952. It won the Grand Prix and was released in Europe thereafter. And
5: I thought all was over until I get an urgent call from MGM and said, Harry, we're in the shed. I said, what else is new? They said, well, in our contra- contract with the Mutual Network, we guaranteed an Orson Welles radio series. Can you possibly help? All well, this was, he was still doing Harry and i but he was broke again, and he had just opened in Othello at the uh, um, St James's Theatre, and he had appalling reviews. So I went down to collect Orson. I'd unearthed an a previous radio series I'd made with an old actor called Clive Brook, called Secrets of Scotland Yard. So I crossed out the title and put The Black Museum, on head introduced by Orson Welles. And in this series he just narrated it. He didn't. Act in it here, narrate here. So, I waited outside the St James's Theatre in a car, and to take Orson to dinner. And I had it in my hand, so I had a contract like this. He said, "What's that?" I said, "It's the contract for the Black Museum." So Orson said, "Give it to me," and he signed it like that, and he handed it back to me with the words, "Lower than this, I cannot stoop."
3: When David O. Selznick got word that Harry Allen Towers had distributed The Adventures of Harry Lyme to MGM, he refused to air it, so Towers took the series elsewhere. He quickly found out that MGM was now contractually obligated to provide a series with Wells to the Mutual Broadcasting System. So in 1951, Towers went to Wells with another radio series. He'd already produced a series called The Secrets of Scotland Yard with Clive Brooke. The new series would be called The Black Museum. It was based on real-life cases from the files of Scotland Yard. Walking through the museum, Wells would pause at one of the exhibits, describing an artifact that led into a dramatized tale of a brutal murder or a vicious crime. Towers visited Australia in the late 1940s and set up production facilities in Sydney. The Black Museum was produced there by Cresswick Jenkinson. Ira Marion was scriptwriter, and music for the series was composed and conducted by Sydney Torch. Orson Wells's introductions were recorded on tape in London, then flown to Australia to be added to the locally recorded performances. This was the first series to be produced in Australia in this way.
5: And so we made another 52 radio shows with Orson in the Black Museum. And so I had the two radio shows, which I sold simultaneously all over the world, but particularly in the United States.
3: The program was transcribed in 1951. In the U.S., Mutual Broadcasting carried the series, with more than 500 stations airing it. In New York, it began airing Tuesdays at 8 p.m. on New Year's Day, 1952. Episode 27 was called The Notes, or Kilroy Was Here.
0: This is Orson Welles, speaking from London. museum It's a repository of death. Here in the grimy stone structure on the Thames... which houses Scotland Yard is a warehouse of homicide... where everyday objects... a photograph record, a postcard, a color photograph... a simple statuette... all are touched by murder. Here's two scribbled notes... bits of paper with three words scrawled across them... Slogan known around the world, a slogan you recognize. Words created in the kind of lonely, fond men far from home, men at war have enjoyed
2: through all of history. What's it mean, Inspector?
4: It would be nice to know, Sergeant. I suspect that if we did know, we'd have the answer to this nasty business.
2: Well, this killer, sir, it's possible he's an American. That phrase was American, sir, all through the war. Kilroy was here.
0: Kilroy was here. museum scotland yards museum of murder here's a typewriter your secretary uses one perhaps your son or daughter write their school essays on a machine like this this one is used to write a letter that letter brought a woman to an address and death to the author of that letter Uh, i hear the notes scrolled on line paper such as children use children who are just learning to write And a photograph showing the same three words scratched on a wooden surface. Three times three was a number in witchcraft in ancient times. Three times three words were written. This wasn't witchcraft. Merely murder. Began for Inspector Liggett and Sergeant Porter in the usual manner. A telephone rang in the inspector's office at the yard.
2: Inspector Liggett here. Sergeant Garth, 11th District, Metropolitan Police, sir. We're at the Royal Roos, sir. Private Supper Club, 15 Marley Court. The proprietor, Matt Bolton, has been shot and killed, Inspector.
4: Very well. We'll be right along.
2: Well, uh,
4: so Matt Bolton has finally departed this earth, Porter. In the expected manner? In the expected manner.
0: You wouldn't know Matt Bolton. 99 chances out of a 100, you never heard of him. But enough people had heard of him to net Matt Bolton a neat six-figure income from various protective associations and entertainment enterprises, such as the Royal Roost, one of those small private supper clubs, manages to keep its license by operating just within the law. The club was easy to find. place of a neon sign, there was a police constable at the door.
4: Uh, looks like it's this way, I think stuffy in here inspector it always is in these places apparently a good many people prefer to amuse themselves breathing a combination of tobacco and poor liquor fumes rather than good fresh air quite a costume on those girls roosters in the royal rooster Get it, Sergeant? (laughs) I've never seen a rooster with so little on besides tail feathers. Neither have I. Look, we better get to work, Sergeant.
0: The two policemen crossed the nightclub, skirted the dance floor and quietly passed through the doorway near the bandstand. To their left, another door stood open, revealing a cubicle complete with mirror lights, another girlish rooster, a man, and a body. A body full length on the floor. The girl was saying...
6: Look... We simply can't send the chorus out once more. Do I get to do my act, or don't I?
4: I'm Inspector Leggett, Sergeant. The young lady may uh, uh, do her act. I doubt if she'll try to go outside the club in that <clears throat> that costume.
6: Well, thank you, Inspector. First, this man said he thought the show ought to go on, so the customers wouldn't be disturbed, and then he held me here. Well, look, that's my cue. I'll be back. Don't worry. I'm not going any place. You're so right about that, Inspector.
2: Knows her way around that girl, sir. Found the body. Didn't turn her hair.
4: Sir, so I noticed. Find the weapon, Sergeant? No, sir, not in here. Uh, Porter, check the exits. Very good, sir. Oh,
2: We've done that, sir. Only two. The way you came and the back door. Fire exit. No one in the kitchen saw or heard anything. We haven't touched the body. Waited for you and the medical examiner, sir.
4: Uh, very good. All right. Turn out his pockets, Porter. Yes, sir. Here's something, Inspector. Tucked in his... Brass pocket. Ah. Hmm. Quite a touch. I, uh, I take it you didn't see this, Garth?
2: No, sir. We left the body strictly as it was.
4: Odd. Almost a signature. It's a note. Kilroy was here.
0: For a moment, memories of other days crowded into the tiny dressing room. A phrase which had meant chuckles once seemed incongruous in that atmosphere of violent death. And then Mabel was back with boyfriends.
4: May I inquire who your escort is, Miss Martin?
6: Larry King meets Scotland Yard.
4: Gentlemen, how do you do? Is this your usual practice, Mr. King? You mean escorting Miss Martin home? That's correct. You are uh, good friends?
6: We're engaged.
4: I see. Uh, Miss Martin, before you leave us to to get dressed... Uh, during your employment here, have you ever had any uh, any trouble with Mr. Bolton?
6: Do you mean, did he make advances? Yes. Oh, naturally.
4: I see. Uh, Mr. King, did you know about these, uh, these advances? I did. Did you ever have any trouble with Mr. Bolton? Nothing to speak of? Oh, of course, it never is anything to speak of. You served during the recent war. I did. Eighth Army. All the way from Tobruk to northern Italy. Does the expression, Kilroy was here, mean anything to you? The Americans, Fifth Army, they used it. I've seen it many times. Very well. Leave your addresses, you, with Sergeant Garth here. And don't leave the city. We may need you. That's all for now.
0: Now the routine begins. Inspector Liggett and Sergeant Porter return to the yard. The orders go out.
4: Have them run a complete check on Bolton's pals. They'll all have alibis, but run the check anyway.
0: That was a start. Now the patient waiting, putting together the few facts available. It's the hardest part of police work anywhere.
4: So, Porter, hmm, no prints on that note except yours and mine. Correct, Inspector. What have you got on King and the girl? She's, uh, well, remarkably respectable. Nothing remarkable, Sergeant. Uh, What about him? He's a lawyer in the city. Rather successful. Good reputation. Hmm, Ever crossed Bolton's path in his work? Nope. He's a copyright lawyer. Deals with writers, mostly. Uh, Nothing there, then.
0: Takes patience. Lots of it. Check and recheck. Wait for information. Wait for the telephone to ring.
4: Inspector Liggett here. Detective Ashton, sir. 23rd District. Uh, Go ahead, Ashton.
7: At 14 and a half Haven Mew, sir. We've been watching the place, sir. That Kingfella lives there.
4: Yes, I know.
7: The superintendent's wife has been found, sir, on the cellar steps, strangled. We found the note in her apron pocket. Kilroy was here, it says.
3: Kilroy was here is a graffiti scroll or meme of debated origin that became popular during World War II. It was associated with G.I. station in Europe, depicting a bald-headed man with prominent nose clutching at and peeking over a wall. Next to him was the phrase. Robert Rietti played leads, and Keith Piot was often in the cast. Beginning in May of 1953, the Black Museum was also broadcast over Radio Luxembourg, a commercial radio station, and was not broadcast by the BBC until 1991. Just as the Black Museum was coming to the air, NBC began broadcasting Whitehall 1212, dramatizing true stories from Scotland Yard's Black Museum. It first aired on Sunday, November 18, 1951 at 5 p.m. Eastern Time. The series was written and directed by Willis Cooper, who had previously created Lights Out and Quiet Please. The cases on Whitehall 1212 were introduced by Chief Superintendent John Davidson, caretaker of Scotland Yard's famed Black Museum who used some item from the museum as a wedge into the story. It opened with an alarmed woman ringing Whitehall 1212 on the telephone and a crisp voice answering, This is Scotland Yard. That series ran until September 28th, 1952.
0: Wait for the telephone to ring, and when it does ring, another death, another note... No solution. Merely complication piled on complication. A short
7: while later in the basement apartment of the newly widowed janitor. You found her yourself, Miss Ravens? Yes, sir. Lying there she was on the cellar steps. I was going down to look at the oil burner.
4: I see. Now, uh, your
7: wife have any enemies, Miss Ravens? No, sir, no. Where would the likes of us come in having enemies? Quarrelsome a little, you might say? But what woman isn't? Oh, she she quarreled with you. With me, mostly. Not that I could blame her. It's hard work a place like this, you know. Once in a while with a tenant. The children in 4B, for instance, they write on the walls. So my wife argues with the mother. Mm-hmm. The nice young man in 6G lets the bathtub run over. 5G complains. My wife scolds Mr. King.
4: I see, yes. Now, is Mr. King at home now? I believe so, sir. All right, thank you. We'll do our best to find whoever killed your wife, Mr Edmonds. Oh, thank you,
7: sir. She had a temper, I know,
4: but she never did no real harm.
1: Up
7: in the
0: self-service elevator on the sixth floor, find 6G and ring the bell. Have it open, not by Larry King, but by Mabel Martin, far more fully dressed than the last time the inspector saw her.
4: Well, uh, Miss Martin, collected the insurance yet? Cut it out, Inspector.
7: I don't have to stand for that sort of thing. In fact, I could ask you for a warrant before I let you in here.
4: But you won't, will you, Mr. King? Ask your questions.
7: They're about Mrs. Evans, I assume. Oh, Larry, please. Don't worry, darling. Ask your questions, Inspector. You quarrelled with Mrs. Evans. I did. I wanted my bathtub fixed. The drain was backing up. She told me to go to fix it myself, that's all.
4: You're sure that was all? Murder seems to have a way of happening in your vicinity, King. Is that an accusation? What's all this to do with Matt Bolton? I don't know. But there is a link, quite a clear link, Miss Martin. You see, on Mrs. Evans, we found a bit of paper, and on it was scrawled, Kilroy was here. Any ideas on that? Ex-soldier, now Solicitor King.
0: Solicitor King had nothing to say. His puzzlement, his lack of knowledge, seemed honest enough. Inspector Liggett drew no conclusions. He waited. The routine
4: continued.
0: Reports came in.
4: The Martin Gettle has a new
2: job. Same type of club. I've seen the act, Inspector. Same songs. More clothes. Nothing on Bolton's cronies. Every one of them has an alibi.
7: King seems to follow a set routine, Inspector. To the office, back home, dinner, then calls for the girl. Even eats his lunch at the same time every day in the same restaurant.
0: Nothing much to go on there, just a time of waiting. A week passed. Telephone rang once again.
4: Inspector Liggett here.
7: Detective Ashton, sir. We've another one for you. What? Yes, sir. A butcher this time. Name of Andrews. Two blocks from the apartment house where King lives. Head bashed in with his own mallet. Scratched on the chopping block with one of his own knives is the same old message, sir. Kilroy was here.
0: Kilroy was here. Familiar words with a smile in their words to remember fondly. Three times they appear. On a butcher's block. On scraps of paper. And today... they can be seen in the Black Museum. A third killing and signed exactly the same way. Kilroy was here. More, this murder had taken place within a few blocks of 14 Haven Mews, where Larry King lived. The same young man who was the secret fiancé of the singer and whose dressing room the first body had been found. The same young man who lived in the house where the janitor's wife had been strangled. Inspector Liggett lost no time reaching the scene of the latest crime.
7: Yes, sir, well, I am. Ashton. Yes, sir? Anything fresh? Just the things I reported, sir. There's the mallet and the weapon. Yeah. The message was scratched with this knife. Hmm. Uh, uh, any prints? So the laboratory crew are trying to raise some.
4: Nothing yet. Uh, very well. Uh, who's the woman? The widow. Uh, Mrs. Andrews, I, I really dislike bothering you with questions at this time, but... You understand that speed may be the essence now?
8: Yes. Yes, of course, Inspector. Uh,
4: I understand that it was you who found your husband.
8: Yes. I stopped here to get some money for a dress. It'll have to be a black one now.
4: Did you always come to him for that kind of money?
8: Well, Jim had his ways. He, He was considerably older than I am. He seemed... Just strong when we first married, but, well, later he was... Well, it changed to domineering.
4: I understand, but now, look, just a few more questions, please. Does the phrase on the chopping block mean anything to you?
8: Kilroy was here? No. No, it's... Well, it's just a... Well, I think I heard it on the radio once or twice.
4: From the way you described your husband, I'd say he was rather, well, positive.
0: A mild way of putting it. Positive. Domineering a man who broke no argument. As the questions went on, the picture became more clear of a large, almost brutish man who covered his deficiencies with bluster and bullying. Finally.
4: Uh, just one more point, Mrs. Andrews. Did your husband ever argue with his customers? I mean, uh, did he make any enemies among them?
8: Some? Only over little things.
4: Can you give me a specific instance?
8: Well, last week. Mm -hmm. Yes, it was last week. uh, A nice young man said Jim was overcharging him. They had words. The man, his name is Larry King, from the apartment house on Haven Mews, he, he swore he'd never buy here again.
4: I see.
8: Have I, uh, have I helped, Inspector?
4: You may have. Just a little time will tell, I suspect. Just a little time.
3: The Black Museum aired for the calendar year of 1952 over Mutual. It was rebroadcast on KABC Los Angeles in 1963 and 64, and on KUAC-FM in Fairbanks, Alaska in 1967. In 2002, Harry Allen Towers produced the Black Museum for TV, hiring Gregory McKenzie to be director and showrunner. The anthology series used Wells' original narration. The adaptation was shot on location in London in a film noir style, and the pilot starred Michael York as Scotland Yard Inspector Russell.
0: Within the hour, Larry King was in custody, taken in charge for 24 hours on suspicion of complicity. His fingerprints revealed nothing. His answers to the barrage of questions revealed nothing. Wearily, the inspector and Sergeant Porter returned to the office to face unrelated facts and a no-progress report. Wearily, the inspector picked up the receiver of his office intercom.
4: Yes, Sergeant. You have a caller, sir. Who is it? Miss Mabel Martin, sir. She yeah. insists on speaking with you.
0: Miss Martin was ushered in, seated in front of the desk.
6: I, I, uh, uh, I've got something to tell you, Inspector.
4: Uh, please do.
6: Well, Larry didn't kill anybody.
4: Ah, uh, didn't he?
6: No. I did.
4: Steady, Sergeant. Please take down Miss Martin's statement. Now, I must warn you, Miss Martin, anything you say will be taken down in writing and may be used in evidence.
6: Yes, I I understand.
0: Now the floodgates opened.
6: I killed all three of them and left the notes to make it look as though Larry did it.
0: So simple, so obvious.
6: Matt Bolton threatened me. He said if I didn't come back to him, he'd, he'd change his insurance policies and... And tell Larry about us. Well, I. I shot him. It was a 22 that Larry had given me.
0: One death accounted for. The policeman listened gravely.
6: Mrs. Evans was always snooping. She threatened to tell Larry about Matt and me. I, I did it in the cellar, behind the coal pile. I. I strangled her.
0: Quite logical. The inspector waited.
6: Andrews, the butcher, I, I used to shop there for Larry. Andrews made some advances. He he, he reached for me, and, and I I grabbed a meat cleaver. And then I, I scratched the note on the wood. That's the story, Inspector.
1: <sighs> yes.
4: Tell me, how much do you weigh, Miss Martin?
6: Well, about hundred and seven pounds? Well, why, what's that got
4: to do with it? Uh, Sergeant Porter, hmm? what was the caliber of the bullet found in Matt Bolton? 0.38 caliber, sir. Uh, thank you. And did you notice a coal pile in the cellar at 14 and a half Haven Mews? It's an oil burner, sir. Quite modern. Uh, thank you. And the the weapon in the Andrews case? Uh, a mallet, sir. Not a cleaver. A mallet. And, Sergeant, can you picture a young woman of a 107 pounds knocking out and killing a man of Andrew's size? Not very well, sir. Of course, it's obvious her heart and her courage are as large as she is, if not larger, but... Uh... <laughs> oh, all
6: right, have your fun. I've made a fool of myself, but, but Larry didn't kill anyone. I know that. I know it. You can't do this to her. Uh,
4: look, look, look. I, I I wouldn't worry, Miss Martin, if I were you. In, in fact, if I were you, I'd hurry out to the front of the building. Mr. King is about to be released, and I think you'll want to meet him there. will not you?
6: Oh, Inspector. Oh, Sergeant,
8: I... Oh, forgive me, please.
4: <sighs> How about it, Porter? Care to have a girl like that to marry? Yes, sir, for more reasons than one. Where are we now, sir? Oh, hand, Porter, I'd say we were just about where we were when we first heard of the Andrews' killing. Put on your thinking cap, Sergeant, this is quite a problem.
0: They sat there in silence. Their minds sifted fact after fact. And once they'd been through the meagre supply of facts on hand, they started over again. At one point, the inspector said... Half to himself.
4: There's something we're overlooking. Probably quite a simple point. It usually is, but...
0: uh, He was quite right. In fact, the inspector was quite appalled, so appalled. He spoke in what amounted to a
4: whisper. Sergeant, hand me that telephone directory, please. What? Oh, yeah, yes, sir. Can I help you, sir? Uh... No, 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 no. Thank you. Um, uh, look, uh, just get your hat, Sergeant. Get my. Yes, we are going back to fourteen and a half Haven Mews. That's King's Address. Yes, and according to the directory, it is also the residence of one Joseph Kilroy, one of the seven Kilroys listed in the London telephone directory.
0: It doesn't take long from Scotland Yard to Haven, Mews. Not when you travel by police car with a siren going. It doesn't take long to race upstairs to a third-floor apartment, ring the doorbell.
7: Come in, gentlemen. I heard your arrival in the street. What took you so long, gentlemen? (laughs) Oh,
4: really, no. Mr. Kilroy, I must warn you, anything you say... Oh, that's all
7: right, I understand.
4: Don't mind in the least. Well, I'll be watching, Sergeant. I
7: am, Sergeant. Frankly, uh, Ligget.
4: Inspector Liggett. Oh, yes,
7: thank you. Frankly, Inspector, I'm rather annoyed with you. Here I go to all the trouble of killing a man so that nice young fellow in 6G could marry that cute little baggage he's going with. And you arrest him instead
4: of me. I see. I, I'm i sorry about that, too. So, so you killed Bolton?
7: <laughs> Saw him one night treating the girl really nastily under this house I may ask why the woman oh she was a nagger really annoying and after I killed one it struck me I couldn't be hanged more than once so I might as well do old Evans too thoughtful of you Mr. Kilroy Mm. that butcher was a private matter though he kicked a dog once I saw him didn't treat his wife any better no kids figured he'd leave her his money so I got him with his own
4: mallet (laughs) Quite simple, you see. (laughs) And uh, you signed your name to each one? Of course. Good deeds
7: are scarce in this world. Thought I ought to get proper credit each time. Now, if you'll excuse me...
1: Sergeant!
4: Good work, Sergeant. Uh, He's strong, sir. Stronger than he looks. Cases like this usually are. Ah, well... We'll need the ambulance, not the wagon this time, and uh, use the telephone, director, sergeant. (laughs) I find them quite useful books when I remember to use them. Who would have thought it, sir? How many of our murderers are considerate enough to sign their killings, sir?
0: Murderers don't sign their work, do they? Unless, of course, their sense of humor is as twisted as their valuation of human life. This killer did... ...autograph his killings. And today those notes can be seen in... ...the usual place for such things... ...in the Black Museum. Orson Welles will be back with you in just a moment. Joe Kilroy was insane, of course, by every normal standard. Insane enough, certainly, to sign his name to three murders. And by every normal standard, the gentlemen of Scotland Yard acted correctly... ...within the rules of their profession in tracing every possible motivation... ...every possible suspect before they came to the obvious solution. After all, it is logical that when men spend their lives... ...dealing with the deliberately obscured... ...they can actually fail to notice the openly obvious. Now the notes remain in their usual place... ...in Scotland Yard in the Black Museum. Until we meet again in this same place for another story about the Black Museum, I remain as always obediently yours. The Black Museum, starring Orson Welles, is presented by arrangement with Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer Radio Attractions. With original music composed and conducted by Sidney Torch. Produced by Harry
5: Allen Towers.